Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. How many know that we serve a God of power? A God who cares and a God who can. How many are bold enough to just stand up and give them thanks today? Can we just stand up and say thank you, Lord? Hallelujah. I haven't preached for a while. I'm excited to be here with you, church. Let's give him one more praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because I am not the same person I used to be. Thank you, God, because when I was hopeless, you gave me hope. Thank you, God, because when I was sick, I found healing in you. Thank you, God, because when I was an addict and they said there was no hope, you came to my rescue. Hallelujah. You may be seated. But don't stop praising him today because he is here in a powerful way. I just want to greet you if it's your first time here at City Beach Philly. We are honored that you would uh, choose to be here today with us. And we would we believe that you will not leave here the same. You will not leave here the same. Um, if it is your first time here, we are about reaching the one who is far from God. That's what, we, that's what we've been called to do is reach the one. Um, if it is your first time in the seat in front of you or around there, there'll be a connect card. You can fill out your information. We would just love to connect with you. Um, we, we won't bother you. We won't harass you. Uh, we just want you to know what is happening here at our church and stay connected. Um, um, just a few quick things I want to mention. Not, not tomorrow, but next Monday is Memorial Day, and we celebrate a Memorial Day picnic every year. How many enjoy our picnic? And so we go out to French Creek, and there's a nice pool out there. It's a $9 charge for the pool. Um, but we, you can sign up if you want to go. Sign up and, and bring some food so we can uh, enjoy uh, some food together. Uh, also, this Tuesday, we're going to be starting. It was supposed to be last Tuesday, but, but the weather. We canceled our, our reach group or uh, a study where we're just going to get into the Word of God. Uh, it's called If. Um, and so I would just invite you at 730. Uh, I'll be giving that class, and um, it's powerful. Um, also, for our parents of our youth, where's our youth? So our youth, in July, they're going to be going to uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And so if your young people are going, we need you to go to the, the back after, immediately after this service. And um, Ralphie and Jasmine will be sharing information on that trip. Uh, have some fundraising things and and some other things and also if you are interested in uh, in leading a reach group see Sister Yvette or my wife in regards to that as we move forward. Um, a couple weeks ago we started to talk about breaking free. and We talked about these strongholds, these things that hold us back. Uh, and we all have these things in our lives because of circumstance, because of the way we were raised, uh, the people around us and the things we allow in our lives, these strongholds. And, and um, I'm going to give you a quick definition of it, and, and, and it's Beth Moore's definition where it says, anything that exalts itself in your mind, pretending to be more powerful than your God, is a stronghold. So it's those things that hold you back. It's those things that, 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 that voice or that, that comes out of us. Sometimes we say, well, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. Many times, and most of the time, it's a stronghold, something that is holding you back from living out your purpose uh, or, or fulfilling your destiny. How many know that God created you with a destiny? Yes. 
Amen. Something unique in you that only you have that God built you and created you to fulfill. And these strongholds, these things get in our way. How many know that we serve a God who, who provides us with freedom? How many know that there's some people in the house who had a life sentence and they're sitting here today? How many know that they had a, there's some people in the house who were addicted to something that they said they would never be free from, but they are here and they are free indeed. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. And, and so a stronghold is living life by something that isn't true. It's a lie that we've received, a lie that we've accepted in our lives that, that doesn't allow us to go forward. It holds us back. A second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5. It says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. I mean, know that there's divine power in the house today. To demolish strongholds. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about demolishing strongholds. Those things that hold us back, I, I fight them all the time. There's still things that hold me back. Things I gotta battle, right? And there's some things that you're, you know, encountering every day. But it says we demolish the arguments and the pretension. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Pretension is the pretending that sets itself up against the knowledge of God or your destiny. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Um, so what do we have to do? We have to first we have to identify that there's an issue. Because most people will walk through their whole lives and never even identify that there's, there's something holding them back. Yes. And I've said this before, that the most, you know where the most potential is in the world? The most potential in the world is in the cemetery. Just never got fulfilled. People who die never got to fulfill their potential. And, and I don't know about you, but before I leave this earth, I want to fulfill some potential that God placed in me the day I was born. Hallelujah. So what do we do? First we have to identify what that lie is and we have to expose it. And then we take whatever that empty, we take that lie out and then we have to fill it with truth. That is why we have to we have to learn the word of God. We have to open our Bibles because it is the truth. And the Bible says itself that the truth is what sets you free. So we gotta have that word's gotta flow through us. Um, and, and today we're gonna talk a little bit about addiction. And, and when I'm talking about addiction, there's all kinds of different addictions. And we all have addictions. Every one of us. How many can uh, say that there's something that they struggle with? There's, something we, there's some things we struggle with. If you didn't raise your hand in school, you're lying. But, but there's things that we struggle with. It's all around us. And we have to begin to identify those things, expose them. And then what it says is take them captive and then cast them out. And not continue to live the lie of that addiction. All right? How many know somebody who's, who's been impacted by addiction? A family. All of us should raise our hand. We know somebody in our walk that we know has been impacted. Um, and what is an addiction? It's anything that you do or I do that we don't want to do but we can't stop doing. We don't want to do it yet. We find ourselves doing it over and over and over. And we've said, I'm not going to do this no more. Yet you... Keep doing it and doing it. I can relate to that definition, and I'm sure you can too. Now, when we think of addiction, right away, we start to think of alcoholism, yes. I have a grandfather who's a, a, an alcoholic. Um, 
we live with that, you know. Uh, we think about smoking, we think about drugs, but there's other things that are, are addictions. There's anger, bitterness, negativity. Some of us are addicted to negativity because that's all we were ever around. All we heard was negative comments. You know, we think about kids who get to school in our city. Sometimes by, before they even walk in the playground, they already heard 45 negative things on the way to school from their friends, from their parents, from their grandmother. From, so we're surrounded by negativity and we actually get addicted to, to negativity. There's, there's television, there's pornography, there's food. How about your telephone? I, I, I'm gonna be very honest and transparent. I'm gonna open my heart. Sometimes my wife says, put your phone away. Uh, uh, you're always on your phone. See, you're always on your phone. Well, it, it can become an addiction. There's people who are in the shower with their phone. Some of y'all know it, come on. It becomes an addiction in our lives. It's something, hallelujah, that's taking our time, that's controlling us. You know how, I know, how you know it's an addiction? You know it's an addiction when somebody tells you, like my, my wife says, put that thing away, and it bothers you. You get defensive. So if you get defensive about it, you need to check yourself. Because it's, it's borderline addiction or it is an addiction, right? Why you got so much food on your plate? Ugh. Leave me alone. It's my business. I didn't have breakfast. But those are things that are, are addictions. That food can become an addiction. I know that when I'm stressed, I want to. I find relief, and I, I, especially late at night, and I start looking for stuff, right? I put the cereal, whatever, I mix cereals together. I, if there's no regular milk, I put almond milk in there. Yeah? Because what? I'm stressed. And, and that addiction to food brings me a little bit of relief, right? The issue with, the, with, with that addiction is that it brings very temporary relief. It's very temporary. And, and it becomes that addiction to whatever the thing may be holds you down. Again, it could be social media. But these are things we all struggle with. Um, it is that, that thing that you can't let go, and all of a sudden that thing begins to control you. It begins to control you. So if we could get real transparent in the house, I'm gonna get real, this is PG-13, kids are in the back, it should be in the back. I was in the Army for a lot of years, 26 years. Pornography is rampant in the Army, and all over the world, but in the Army it's rampant. So I'm talking guys didn't have a, a, a thumb drive with it, or they had terabytes. They had hard drives full of pornography. So I mean, we would be in a combat zone. Um, listen to me very clearly. Driving in a combat zone in a Humvee, with the enemy could be anywhere, and there was guys in the back watching porn. All right? That's how addictive that thing gets. That's how ugly it gets. It's an ugly, ugly thing. And we say, oh, that's okay. Oh, and we justify it so many ways, but guess what? It's not of God, and it becomes a, an addiction. And not only it becomes, a, it, it takes a place in your heart where it begins to control you. When that's all you think about, because you need it. It's something that you do way too much. Exercise could be a, an addiction. And it's good to be, I need to go to the gym, right? A little bit. We need to exercise, you know? 20 minutes a day, maybe an hour a day, that's cool. But when it becomes your everything, 
when all you can think about is, I missed my workout, your life is over because you missed your workout, or because you didn't put protein in your drink because, you, you know, it, it can become an addiction. Paul says it in the book of Romans. He says, I love this verse. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. He says, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. How many can relate to that? He says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. So we got to get rid of that thing. That's why we're talking. We got to identify it. We got to expose it, maybe not to the whole world, but we better expose it to God, right? Yes. And then we got to say, God, take that thing out of me. This thing is controlling me. I, I, I said this many times. In, in, in 1994, 1993, I would get up on a Saturday morning, and I used to work afternoons or a Monday morning or Tuesday, and I could watch ESPN at 8, 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30. It was the same thing. And I could tell you anybody's stats. I could still tell you how many how many rebounds that uh, Dennis Rodman averaged in 1996. Why? Because I was addicted to it. I was addicted. Da, na, na, da, na, na. And it's funny, but it's sad. It's sad. I mean, I, I was so into it, it became an obsession for me. And, and I'm, I'm asking you today, what is that thing that you know that if you got rid of it, your life would be better? If you could just get it out of the way, you know that your life will be better. And stop looking at your wife and say, she needs to do this, she needs to do that. You need to worry about you. You worry about you, you let him clean you, all of a sudden she's gonna be like, not the same guy. He used to be six months ago, right? I'm gonna give God glory here. Hallelujah. I'm going to share just a few lies of addiction. Here, here's lie number one. It says, addiction desires to become part of your identity. That's a lie. You can't allow that. So I've been, I've been having many jobs, and, 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 and here's, an, here's an example. You're at your job, and somebody says, yo, where's Lou at? You say, well, Lou, who's Lou? Oh, he's the guy who smokes three packs a day. Right? It becomes his identity. Yeah. He's the guy who gambles all his money away. Right? That's the dude who cheats on his wife with about four girls. Yeah. Right? So, so, so it becomes part of your identity, and then we just accept that thing. So it says, it says that what you do is who you are. I don't know about you, but I don't want that kind of identity. I don't want the identity of my, all the bad things I do that that becomes who I am. And, and that's not why God created you. And, and so we got to be careful. I'm all about the 12-step program and, and, and all that. That's good. And we see a lot of people that, people in this house who've been through it. And I'm not talking against that. But I want to talk about something a little bit greater. It's not about studying. My name is Mark Navales and I'm an alcoholic. I can say that once and get through the program. But I can't keep that identity. If I keep saying that 10 years from now, I'm marking about I'm still an alcoholic. Even if I haven't drank for 10 years, I'm still keeping that as part of my identity. When the Bible says that I am a new creation in Christ. All things have passed. Here I am. I am new. That's what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, I'm not here to talk about the 12. I'm talking about a Jesus who can transform you, who can change you, who you can no longer have to stand up and say, I'm Mark Navalis and I'm alcoholic, and I can say, I'm Mark Navalis. I am a son of an all-living, all-powerful, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And I used to be an alcoholic, but I no longer am. That's what we're trying to teach you. What we're talking about, when a man walks in the house, he says, I'm the man of this house. I'm the man of this house, and because of that, I will love you, my wife. Because of that, I will embrace my children. Because of that, I will sit at the table. Yes, sir. And put the remote away for a little while. That's what, we want. That's what God wants from us. What's the teacher's head? What does a, a, a kingdom man look like? What does a kingdom woman look like? Line number two. When you try to quit, you feel hopeless. It's a lie. We keep, I, I keep trying. I try to quit. And I, keep, I keep doing it. I can't beat it, so I'm just going to keep doing it. I, I can't beat it, so I'm just going to join it, right? I tell you that the God that we serve can raise the dead. He can heal a person with AIDS. And there's nothing too big, not even your addiction, not even your stronghold is not too big, and it's a lie if you've accepted it. It's a lie from the pits of hell that says you can't do it. That's it. Hallelujah. Part of the lie is also saying this. And we said, man, I, God, I, I, this time I went too far. This time I'm never going to get, God's never going to forgive me. I, 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 and that's the lie the devil starts to tell you, that the enemy starts to tell you, that people around you begin to say, man, you really messed up this time. It's all over. I tell you, that's a lie. That's a, there's some consequences because of what we did. And, and things may not go back to what they used to be. But there is a God who forgives. Thank God. I'm so thankful for a God who forgave you. For all the things that I had hidden, all the things I would sweep under the carpet, all the things that I thought nobody saw, I'm thankful because there was a day that I had to pick up the carpet and say, Lord, here, here it is, and I'm sorry, and forgive me. And he took that stuff according to the Bible, he took all that junk, and he threw it to the, the, the bottom of the ocean, my Bible tells me. And I began to find freedom. I began to live a righteous life, not a perfect one. But I no longer am the man that I was 10 years ago. I no longer am the man that I was five years ago. I no longer am the man that I was one month ago. How many of you got glory in this place? We're talking about a God of hope, a God of freedom. I, I love what Paul says in, 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 the book of, in the book of Romans chapter 7. He says this. He said, I've tried everything. And nothing helps. Says, I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no, is there no one who can do anything for me? He says, isn't that the real question? And I think we've all asked ourselves that question. I'm at the end, there's no hope for me. But he goes on to say, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things straight. And he says what? In this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and my mind, but I am pulled by an influence of sin, 
to do totally something totally different. And I just go back to the, the first part of that verse. So the answer is that Jesus can and does. That's what we got to embrace. That even though I keep falling into the addiction for 10 years, 5 years, 15 years, 20 years, there is a Jesus who can, who does, and who will. We got to embrace that truth that the Bible gives us. Just something real quick. If, if God has set you free from an addiction, I need you to just stand up in this place. If God has set you free from an addiction. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Amen. Because see, the, the answer to the opioid epidemic in, in the city of Philadelphia is not a 12-step program. His name is Jesus. And it is by the blood of Jesus that we find true freedom. I'm not coming against all the things that they're trying to do. But church, we need to stand up, be recognized of, of a powerful God who did what no other person could do, who did what no man could do, who did what this world and the city and politics could never do. Let's prove thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, because people look at us and they say, you're a mess and there's no way. Ain't no way you, man, amen. You know how many times that guy's been messed up? How many times he relapsed? You know how many times? That's what the world says. The, the, the world says, that guy or that girl, she's messed up, and, and there's no way out. But thankfully, in that verse, God says, you are a mess, but there is a way out, and you are not done because I am not done with you. Amen. And as long as there is breath in this body, there's hope. Hallelujah. Jesus goes on, uh, he goes on to say, you can do all, or Paul says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's go a little bit deeper here today. There's, there's people, there's activities, and there's some things that want to take hold of your life. The Bible calls it idolatry. That's where we get idols from. You know, I remember as a kid, I don't know if young people say this anymore, they probably got another word for it. They say, oh, you know, who's your idol? Well, I idolize, you know, Michael Jackson, or back in the day, way back in the day. But though, that's, that's an example where, you know, that, that's my idol. And, and what does the Bible say about that? It says, anything you allow to sit on the throne of your heart, other than God, is an idol in your life. I talked about a few of them. Your phone, social media. Um, I talked about ESPN, and some of that stuff you tell us dumb, but it could begin to control you if you let it. It becomes an idol. It gains the power of control in your life. It no longer is just a habit. It becomes a passion. It no longer is a want, but it becomes a need. It no longer is perhaps. It becomes an obsession. It, it could be a person. It could be a thing. It could be a thought that gets rooted in your heart. That's why God talks so much about the heart in the Bible. Guard your heart. Because what things get rooted in your heart, that we got to get them out. That, 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 that idol, it takes a place in your heart, and you begin to worship it. When I was watching ESPN from 6 o'clock in the morning to 12, 
I began to worship. If I missed it, I was like, messed up, right? I gotta get my ESPN. I mean, it sounds very dumb, but, but that's one of the things that had me tied up. Whatever you worship eventually becomes your God. And whatever you idolize, you begin to imitate. Whatever you Im imitate, you will eventually become. I'm gonna say that again. Whatever you idolize, you begin to imitate. That's why people would dress up like Michael Jackson. Imitate, right? Whatever you imitate, eventually you'll become that thing. And, and, and you will, I love what Chris Hodges says. He says, you are always a slave to whatever is on the throne of your heart. I want to take credit for that, but it, it wasn't me. You become a slave to that thing. That's why an addict who's a good person, right, to go to their mother's house and steal stuff because there's a new king on their heart. And yet, although they love their family, they may love their parents, and this is the last thing they want to do, they can't control themselves because there's a new king on the throne of their heart. And we must dethrone that king of addiction. Yeah. Right? We got to dethrone the king of that addiction so that the king of kings... Jesus Christ can become, the, can sit on the throne of your heart. It's a spiritual thing, people. It manifests in the, in, the, in the flesh, right? So before the addict goes to his mom's house, or her mom's house, and they steal the laptop to go take to the pawn shop so they can get the next fix, there was a whole thing that happened in the heart before they actually did it. Yeah, they thought about it, then they went to the heart. Once they went to the heart, it's hard to get it out. Right? It's not even going to go through it. Once it hits your heart, it, it's like if you're going to cheat, right? On your spouse or something. You, you think about it first, and that's what you got. You got to fight that thing, but then it goes to the heart. Yes, sir. Then when it gets rooted in the heart, then you're in trouble, right? You got to begin to cast that thing because you need a new king on the throne of your heart. How do we do it? How do we fight this thing? We have to put God first. I've been saying this all year. Put God first in our lives. We got to put them first. How do we do that? When we give our lives to Jesus, and you're going to have an opportunity today if you've never done that, but when you give your heart to Jesus, and we call that salvation, salvation is not the prayer. It's not praying, okay? It's not just the prayer. That's part of it. It's not about getting baptized. That's part of it. It's not about filling out a, a connect card. That, that's good, and we want you to do that. Salvation is about reorganizing the things on your heart. And putting God first. Saying, Jesus, you are, you are my master. You, you need to be first in my heart. You need to be first in my life. You need to be first in my thoughts. You need to be first in my relationships. You need to be first in my finances. You need to be first in my home. You need to be first in my walk. You need to be first in my marriage. You need to be first in my thoughts. You need to be first in my wallet. Hallelujah. It's about total surrender to him. How many know that's true? How many know that we've messed up a lot because we didn't reorganize the, 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 the things on our heart? A lot of times we mess some stuff up because we didn't put Jesus first. We put ourselves first. We put our job first. We put our reputation first. We put those things that really don't matter first. See, because it, it, it's not about what, and I love my wife, and she's awesome, but it's not about my plan or her plan. 
It's not about my kids, it's not about my job, it's not about my uh, education, it's not about my opinion, it's not about my plan, it's not about my dreams, again, not about my reputation or my passion or the secrets that I have hidden. It's about taking all of that and putting it in the back seat and say, Jesus, today you are first on my heart. You're first in my heart. You're first in my heart. We, it's the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. It says, you should have no other gods before me. See, because you could love some other stuff, but you can't love them more than God. See, Christianity is not about living a perfect life. It's about putting Jesus first. It's about every day saying, God, I give you the first of my life. I give you the first of my life. When you wake up in the morning, you give it that first breath. God, thank you for that breath. Instead of going to the news or Facebook or whatever, Instagram or Snapchat, that you would open the word of God and say, speak to me today because my first minute is going to be for you, Lord. Getting down on your knees, even if for, for a minute, Lord, thank you for this day. Help me to walk this walk. I need you to be first in my life today. Hallelujah. When we begin to do that, then the other gods of your life will begin to bow down to him as well. When you put God first, all those other junky things that are in your life that we think are so important, they begin to recognize, hold up. They begin to acknowledge him as well. So that boyfriend that you're so worried about, that you're spending so much time on, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we need to organize our heart, right? Yes. That thing that is controlling us, that thing that is always on your mind, that person perhaps, those are the same spot. Why the God has lifted her up, but look where I'm at. I've been in church longer. I pray longer than her. I know more Bible than her. Have you reorganized your heart? <laughs> the first compliment we give in the day should be to our Lord. The God, you're amazing. Because I remember how I used to live. I remember how miserable I am, but I can get up. I can walk around the street. I'm not walking in fear no more. Trying to watch my back. Because I am secure in you. The first thing we should read is the word of God. The first thing, hallelujah, that comes out of our mouth should be a compliment to God. The first thing that we pay and when we get paid is God. Because God will bless whatever you separate and give to him first. Whatever you give to God first, he's going to bless. Yes. I like the Holy Spirit speaking to some folks. I know that because he's speaking to me. So understand if I'm saying something, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm living it or trying to live it. Right? I said, come on. I want, we see, God wants us to overcome. Yeah, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. Yeah, many times we're, we're living a defeated life when God called us to be conquerors and we're not able to conquer because he's not first. We're not able to conquer. Why? Because we haven't submitted to him. We have not surrendered to him. We have to learn how to say no. Some of us don't know how to say no. It's hard for me to say no. You ask me today, Pastor, you know, after church, can you, can, you want to come and have a picnic? I'm like, oh, that's, even though I'm out, you know, I'm tired. I'm like, okay, I'll go. And then somebody else comes, Pastor, can you, oh. And I forgot I already made a commitment, right? I say, yeah, I'll go. And then my wife said, what are we doing today? I said, well, we're going, oh, hold up. I don't like to say no. It's difficult for me. We have to learn how to say no. 
See, there's three parts. We talked about this the last few weeks we've been talking about. There's three parts. There's the spirit man who loves God. The spirit man. There's the soul, which is your emotions and your mind. And it's your body, the thing that we live in. All three of those things want to be in charge. Spirit wants to be in charge? Oh, let's go to church. Let's serve God. Your soul is, oh, I'm depressed. No, I can't go to church. He wants to be in charge. He wants you to stay home. And wants you to come to church. And the body. The body is these eyes sometimes, the hands, that get us in trouble, right? They all want to be in charge. And we have to come to a place to say, who is the true master of my life? Is it my spirit that longs for God? Is it my soul, which is always hopeless? Or is it this body that's always tired? So Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 14 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your body so that you can obey its evil desires. Do not offer your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. Sin is not going to be my master. We got to get to a place where we can say that and mean it. Sin, you are not the master of my life. See, because whatever you starve, it will die. And whatever you feed, it will thrive. What have we been feeding lately? If we're just feeding the addiction over and over and over, we can't move forward. We can't move forward. Chapter 12 of, of Romans, I love this. Verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Church, let us stand. We can just close our eyes just for a moment. Close your eyes, bow your hands. I just want us to reflect on, on our situation, your life. And not, not the person next to you or the person in front of you, but just yourself. You know, what, what is that thing that you know that, that, that's beginning to control you or is already controlling you? That, that is the thing that you spend the most time thinking about, the most time doing. Sometimes you say, well, well I need to do that. It's important. But if it's taken the place of God in your life, it's got to be removed. And today is your day. And so with every eye closed, I'm just going to say, ask just a couple things. If you know that you need to reorganize your heart, I'm just going to count to three. And I would ask that you would raise your hand. Everybody's eyes are closed. So I'm going to count to three. And if you know that that's you, that you need to reorganize them, Priorities of your, of your heart, and that Jesus is not our number one. You'll raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand all over the room. That's Jesus. A lot of hands up. Can we all raise our hands? I'm just going to pray this prayer. I ask that you would pray it with me. Jesus, I need you to be the king of my heart. Take your place in my life. I confess my addiction. That thing that controls me. That person that I'm obsessed with. The thing that takes all my time. 
And I say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive all the things I've done to offend you, to hurt you, to come against you, and make me new today. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior and the master of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.